All right, well, we're doing a now almost series, which makes me sad and happy, where we interview people that worked at Whole Whale, kind of not an exit interview, but a what you learned and the idea that uh, we can share it with future people interested in working here and also other leaders that manage teams and just, you know, kind of account for the things that worked and didn't. Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. So today's guest and former employee is Laura Clevenger, who was an impact whaler and spent six grueling, awesome, amazing. <laughs> we'll go with awesome, we'll go with awesome. Unforgettable years, six years with, with Whole Whale. And there are a few narrative points I wanna pull out, but first uh, I, I wanna throw it to you, Laura, you know, from what you remember, uh, how, how did it go working at Whole Whale for that long? <laughs> well, it must've gone well if I stuck around for six years. So that, that says something. Um, no, Whole Whale was my first job out of college. I started working there at 22 years old um, and spent six years there and working on a lot of different things and a lot of different capacities, which I'm really grateful for to have gained a lot of different skills. And yeah, I, I, it was the perfect place for me to land out of school. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. I remember very early on, it's just, it's interesting at a small company because how many employees do we have at the time? Like Two or three? Four. Four. I, I, including me, four. <laughs> Fourth and employee. You. So two yeah. other, yeah. And now I think we're at like 15 or 16, depending on how you yeah. count part-time. And, you know, we're hiring yeah. right now. So if you're listening, always check out wholewell.com slash jobs because you seem <laughs> to be hiring. And it's um, it's been interesting. I remember early in my career that shifting through the size of an organization as we grew um, back in the days to do something, like it just, it felt yeah. different. And adding one extra person sometimes was like not felt at all. And sometimes it was like, whoa, we're a different company. Yeah. Did you kind of get the same vibe? I mean, not that it's like a astronomical oh. growth going from like, you know, 4X, but. It, you know, it did feel that way though. Even though I, I, I feel like I'll say to people, oh, we, you know, went from four to 16. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it feels so different. It feels so different. Um, it's still small enough where you, get to know all of your coworkers. You generally get to work with almost everyone. Uh, you see everybody's faces, but just in the way that the company operates, how things are uh, systematized, organized, uh, created, you know, more clients, there's just more going on. That was a big adjustment was I went from knowing everything that was going on in the company, every client, every detail to, having to let go of that in some way, not knowing every client, what everybody was doing. There's more trust in knowing that people know what they're doing, that they're going to do a good job, that you don't have to be involved in everything. I'm sure you've experienced that, especially as the CEO, as the company has grown. There's just a little bit more of disconnect, uh, but it feels so different. I remember at some point you had told me, you know, companies go through these growths at different stages. And I, I don't know if this was technically a stage, but it felt like we went from infant to teenager. <laughs> and we went through this like awkward teenage growth phase that I finally feel like in the last 
year of working at Hallwheel we were we were exiting out of. Uh, and that was actually really nice to see that through. Yeah, it's definitely part of letting go of not knowing absolutely everything going on um, <laughs> to get to that next level, delegating and trusting and then fixing when things break. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, um, you had a lot of management experiences while at Whole Whale working with various folks and like wins and losses. And I, I think, yeah, you know, that serves its own learning. Like certainly you went up the the learning curve on nonprofit analytics, Google analytics, nonprofit marketing and SEO. I mean, you were asked to wear any hat that we had around. Uh, yep. And um, I, I'm curious how you sort of view those two different tracks, because I think a lot of folks moving into early, early careers and don't fully realize it. I think they, they put it out there being like, I want to manage people. I'm like, are you good at managing people? Mm. Why do you want to do this? Do you assume that you can only advance if you manage people? Um, and don't maybe necessarily treat it uh, like you did, which was like a separate area to learn in and grow in versus your technical yeah. skill capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because having that opportunity of, the, of that separate path than the technical skills, ultimately it led me to where I am going today, which I'm sure we'll talk about no a way. further along. You get to talk about nothing <laughs> about the future. This is only about us for um, you. But I actually feel like I learned the most about myself through that secondary path. I think when you are young and you're challenged with being thrown into the fire and learning how to manage other people who are also young and recently out of college, um, it, it you're just forced to learn a lot about yourself. You are, you know, certain things that you do or in that are ingrained in your personality or reflected back to you very clearly. And uh, that to me was a huge learning opportunity to learn how to uh, adapt based on who I was managing. Uh, So, so that was a huge skill set in terms of learning the soft skills of working at a company. Um, As much as the technical skills are important, learning how to be a good manager, how to be there for um, other employees, even not necessarily the people I was managing, but just other people in the company. Being, since I had been around longer than other people, uh, feeling like I was someone that other people could come and talk to when something was going on, or they needed feedback, or they wanted advice. Have I been through this experience? What did you do? Learning how to be adaptable in those situations for other people uh, was really one of my favorite parts of the job and something I really, really loved. Um, so I'm really thankful to have had that, that secondary track, but I don't think that it's, it's necessary for everyone. And we've talked about this at whole whale. And I think we've made it clear that you don't have to manage other people. And in order to move up in, in the company, at least in whole whale, but I still think learning that the, those soft skills of being able to give feedback, to be a helpful employee to other people, to be a good teammate, essentially, uh, for thinking this is like a team. Uh, those soft skills are so important, even if you're not directly managing. Yeah, and I think you tease people a little bit, but how did that evolve into like, where are you off to next? And what, you know, what drew you away from Whole Whale? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually studied public health at NYU uh, as an undergraduate. So I have always had an interest in the health field, in the health profession. That's what I saw myself doing long-term. I got really lucky at Howell where uh, 
I got to work with some amazing health-focused nonprofits. So that was really fun, kept me very engaged. Uh, but through that management track, like we were talking about, I really fell into a coaching role and was able to see that that is something that I really excel at and where I feel um, in some sense most alive, where I feel like I'm working towards my purpose is uh, the moment when I, I wanted other people to better their technical skills and get better at their jobs more than I did at, for my own self. I was like, okay, this is really speaking to me that you feel best when you're trying to lift up other people and help them be better in their own lives. Um, so that ultimately led me to take a hard right <laughs> out of the nonprofit digital marketing space and uh, head back to, to naturopathic medical school. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, we really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. Yeah, that's a natural progression, obviously. You know, nonprofit <laughs> yeah. marketing, social Casual. impact analytics to doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so just, you know, the narrative is very interesting because you were, you know, full-time nonstop in New York and then went through this, all right, I'm going to work abroad. Um, we worked remotely and then you start, you know, you start yeah. going to medical school essentially while also uh, helping our team as a part-time. Yeah, not in medical school yet, but taking all the uh, science prerequisites that I avoided as an undergraduate because I thought they would be too challenging for me, uh, like biochemistry, organic chemistry, and was surprised to learn that I loved them and that I found them fascinating. Uh, but yeah, when, when I got to, to Colorado, we had decided to move out of New York City for personal health reasons, and uh, which was part of also my journey into to medical school with my own personal health. Uh, but when we got to Colorado and I was no longer surrounded by my teammates, so to speak, my whole whale teammates, uh, which was one of my favorite parts of the job. And, and I also did some hiring at whole was in charge of that, which we might talk about, but, uh, I often had applicants ask me, what's your favorite part about working at whole whale? And I would always say, uh, my fellow colleagues, my teammates, because I think it's so rare to work somewhere where you trust everyone, everyone's fun to be around. I genuinely like being there and being with everyone. So suddenly when I was removed from that environment and by myself, I lost that and was really sort of forced to face, okay, is this the actual technical work you want to be doing for the rest of your life? What are the other options out there? Yeah. You know, that, that's a, it's an interesting moment. And, you know, one thing I'll, I'll pat myself on the back and give advice to other CEOs and hiring managers out there that even if you're losing an A player in a way that they're going to go to school or they're going to be like mood landing and something else, there is always the opportunity to move them on to a halftime, three quarter time, whatever, uh, yeah. like employment track. It's not like full time or nothing. And I think maybe earlier in my career, I would have been a little bit more like, uh-uh, you're all in, in this office or nothing. And I think you're definitely one of the people that helped push me to take that risk. And like, it wasn't a like George light switch. I'm so smart. It was a Laura's like, Hey, look <laughs> at this article. Hey, look at this company. Hey, look at this book. And, and yep. I read it and I looked yep. at it and I said, you know what, why would I lose somebody who has this amount of institutional knowledge? Someone who knows this team, our systems that like, I frankly just trust with, 
uh, this type of work. And I think on your end, you know, frankly, you were able to find a, a relationship with work and school that, you know, yeah. you are where you are now. Right. And somebody who's still ultimately invested in, in whole whale. I wasn't a, oh, you know, let me just go part-time and come in and out. I still very much wanted to be a part of the company, even if it wasn't a part-time capacity. So I, exactly what you said, if there are people who are looking to develop other skill sets, because eventually they know what they want to go somewhere else with their career. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing mindset. I think that it worked really well. I ultimately the last two years was part-time. So two mm-hmm. of my six were, were part-time and uh, I still felt connected to the company, still felt like I was able to provide valuable work, uh, valuable insights. And yeah, so it, it, it worked well for us. Yeah. I want to turn back to how you kind of convinced me to give a shot to remote uh, remote working. And ironically, we're now all remote working. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. a seed that planted long ago um, is... Uh, actually the the secret and one of the biggest years to why we are doing so well right now, I think on behalf of our clients and as an operating team, uh, because we've built that infrastructure and muscle over time. But going back, I want you to give folks some advice. And obviously this is an end of one, but give younger folks advice on how you managed up, how you swayed the direction of the organization by challenging me, frankly, Mm-hmm. on things that you felt could be improved or do better. And this is not just the feedback. There's one thing to give feedback and talk about radical yeah. candor. There's another thing to be a junior person speaking to someone who has more experience and frankly can fire you. Uh, that can be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, in my career, no one has challenged me in um, <laughs> as frequently or as well, I think, as you have. And it didn't start that way. At first, you kind of sucked yep. at it. And then you yes. got really good at it. And I was like, shit, I have to listen to this. Yeah, I've thought a lot about this question because I've had multiple people ask me this or witness this and just, you know, how can I do that essentially? And there are a couple of things that I'd like to speak to. One being that I've always been this way. So in terms of... In terms of, you know, how do I, how can I be like that? That's a difficult question for me to answer because I think my mom would tell you I have always been this way. I remember a very distinct anecdote when I was very young in the car with my mom and she just turned to me and said, you know, you don't always have to say every thought that goes through your head. (laughs) So I, I have, I have always been or had the confidence speak what was on my mind or speak what I thought was uh, important. The second piece of that comes with uh, privilege. I'm white, cisgendered, female, and I have never uh, had any major consequences for speaking my mind or speaking out against them as more authority to me. So by default, because of that privilege, I've been able to push back without any retribution, without any fear that I am going to lose my job. You know, the fact that that didn't necessarily cross my mind is a form of privilege. So in that sense, I also just wanted to speak to that. But like you said, I wasn't always good at it. (laughs) I, I kind of learned over time how to refine 
uh, challenging up, I guess, or, or, or managing up. I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah. Um, but it kind of comes down to, to two things for me, emotion and logic. I am, I'm a very emotional person. I care a lot about the things that I do. I'm always invested 100% if I'm doing something. Um, and I think at the beginning, I would let uh, the emotion be greater than the logic. So when that came out in terms of managing up, it just sounds like this emotional response without a lot of logic or uh, a thought there. Over time, I learned that I'm not getting what I want when I, when I, when I respond that way. So I kind of tried to switch it. And this isn't saying that emotion, it should, you know, when you're trying to manage up or you're trying to challenge leadership, that it should be devoid of emotion. I think a little emotion is worked for me because it let me know it was something that I cared about. It was something that was important, but the foundation was based on logic. I came with books to read. I came with research articles. I came with, uh, this is a podcast from this other leader that came with experience from others, logic, and then, you know, maybe a little bit emotion in there to just let leadership know that this is something that I thought was important and here's why. Uh, but really, instead of also, you know, maybe speaking it in that moment, as soon as I felt that thought or had that advice as to how to, to challenge, take, take a day to think it over, <laughs> take a day to, to step back before it's a fully emotional response and then, and then come forward when I, when I feel calm uh, with the logic there. Yeah, I was gonna say going from that hot place of immediate feedback to yeah. I'm gonna take a take a little bit where, where your emotions betray your communication. Um, yeah, and oftentimes, yeah, and oftentimes for for me, like if you know, it was something where we were still working in the office together, and let's say we we started sparring, it would be like, okay, I'm just gonna go take a walk around the block. Let me just go take a walk around the block, and then when I come back, I know I'm gonna be able to speak from a calm place. Uh, and, and that was really useful. So just being able to, to change the environment sometimes helpful too. Yeah. And I can, I can, I can say it was a, not a very large office. So if you were having a, <laughs> an issue with somebody, <laughs> yeah. it was a, sorry, sorry, fellow employees. It was like arm's reach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I, I think that if, if leadership is serious about wanting to be challenged about wanting to be better. I don't think it's fair to expect their employees to give feedback in the same way that I was able to give you feedback. I think that if that's seriously something leadership in a company is trying to do, uh, it, it falls less on the responsibility of the employee and more on the responsibility of the leader or, or the manager and uh, creating multiple opportunities, different ways for those employees to give that feedback, letting them know that we care about your voice. Your voice is important. We want to know how you think we can be better uh, and, and creating different avenues for that to happen. For some people, they feel comfortable like myself doing it in a public space. Many people, they don't. You know, There are some people who we've worked with who will never operate in the same way I do. And I don't think it's fair to expect them to. I think as leaders, you have to be adaptable. We have to be adaptable and, and figure out how you can get the most out of your employee by changing your approach. So having multiple ways that someone can give you that, uh, that feedback or, or that challenge uh, is, is beneficial. 
Yeah. And the other word you use in there, which is critical and comes up in many, many of these books about, you know, managing in this environment is that if you're a leader listening to this being like, oh, I never get any feedback like that should be the biggest piece of feedback you ever get. Because I'll tell you what, (laughs) the chances of that are like, you know, snowballs chance in hell. There's just no way you are perfectly navigating things. And if you are like alarms should be going off like it should be the next thing you're doing. And I'd say one of the things I've tried to work on is a culture of safety and also trying to, as you mentioned, recognize my privilege, which is exacerbated by the fact that I'm a white male at the top of this organization Mm -hmm. uh, with like no manner of recourse. Like I just have to be extra aware of how I present in a room when I say things and I get emotional. I get fired up about things. I've got good days and bad days. And frankly, when I started, I was We're like, similar that way. <laughs> I'm a mach- like, I was so misled early on, I think as a leader, assuming that I was like, I'm just an even keel guy. I come in every day the same. And I was like, yeah, the truth is not that I am not yeah. that. Um, like, and you know, if I could go back in a time machine, I would hit myself upside the head. Um, I think I learned it early enough, but I think it could have been much earlier yeah. with that regard. Um, Because that then impacts everything. I walk into a room a little bit short with people and I say something and I shut it down. That is not a culture of safety. So like literally this conversation right now, I don't care if 10 people listen to it, if they are future employees, they're like, oh, this guy's like mostly serious, (laughs) strewn his best with regard to a culture (laughs) of safety. I'm letting you say whatever you want and we're going to put it out on our channel. Yeah, the self-awareness is key as a leader. Uh, as a manager, again, going back to that 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 track that I was on and that you have at Whole Whale, it uh, that being able to be self-aware is what really will help you grow. Yeah. All righty. You became, after your, you sort of became like part-time, you became the gatekeeper for everybody who applied to yeah. Whole Whale. Like, I think you've looked through like hundreds of folks and it was really oh. funny because people come in with like deference to Laura, the gatekeeper of Whole Whale. And I was like, <laughs> What I loved about delegating this um, is like sort of twofold. You sort of had the advantages of understanding the culture as it started, the culture where it was, but more importantly, the types of people that were like us, not like us, that we needed, um, and could also just understand from a technical skills capacity what we needed. And also everybody, you know, full-timers were just like working full tilt and they couldn't necessarily give the thought and attention necessary for when we revamped our entire hiring process with you know, sort of like the pre-vetting, the project, the management, it's, you know, and we don't even hire that it's many people. It's a lot people. of work. It's a yeah. lot, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It comes in waves. And when it's, when it's a wave is coming, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I think having someone dedicated and again, we're a small company, so we don't have the resources right now to have a full-time hiring person to have a full-time HR person. Uh, so having the ability to take that on for the company, I think streamlined a lot of things, saved people a lot of time. I wasn't the only person that applicants talked to. I was just the beginning stages, which ultimately is where the bulk of the time lies in getting the job postings out there, collecting everybody, looking through everyone, scheduling tons and tons of interviews, 15 minute phone interviews all day. Uh, That is what takes a lot of time, that first weeding process. Uh, So having it streamlined, I think helps us be more efficient. Mm -hmm. So walk us through what that process looked like um, at Whole Whale, like our hiring, like, all right, here's the gatekeeper, here's the project, here's the second interview. Like what, what order of things 
went through and what was your part in it? Yeah, so we have a, a very specific process at Hoel. It starts with when somebody applies, uh, they either will be given uh, a 15 minute interview or not. If they get a 15 minute interview and we decide that we would like to move them on, they complete a short project. Once they complete that short project, they will have a Zoom meeting where they present that project to a member of our team, most likely who would be their manager. If that went well and we want to move them to the next phase, traditionally they would come in person for a meeting where they would present their project to a larger group of the team and then do a one-on-one -on -one with yourself. However, now because of COVID that is changing a little bit and most likely those final stages are remote over Zoom as well. Uh, but still with the larger team, still doing a one-on-one -on -one with you. So let's see, that's a one, two, three, four, five stage process. So it's quite lengthy, uh, but we try and be extremely transparent. I have received some feedback from applicants that this is, you know, the most transparent process that's the hiring process that they have been through, which always makes me really happy. I think it's helpful that, you know, I graduated undergraduate in 2014. So I'm only six years, a little over six years out of school. I think it's helpful that I'm not so far removed from that hiring process of being on the other side, because I remember what it's like. I remember applying places and not even hearing a no. Like sometimes, you know, you just want to hear a no. You want to know what's going on. So I have always tried to, no matter how many people apply, everybody gets a response. Everybody should know what's going on. Uh, that that was a really big part for me. I wanted people to to not feel like their application was in vain. <clears throat> yeah. One of the most common things I've heard said of people that then become uh, in charge of some part of the interview process is like, I can't believe how many things I was doing wrong as an applicant. <laughs> Can you yes. talk to me about oh some of your like, Laura's like top five, whatever things that like, why are you doing this if you want to work uh, here? Yes, I have so many, <laughs> so many simple things that applicants could be doing. Usually when we are hiring at Whole Whale, we're hiring for entry level roles. That's what's most common. So we're getting a lot of people who are freshly out of college or a few years out of college. And there's so many things I just want to say like, oh, if you would just do this or you would just do that. So I'm happy to list them off. Uh, one being do your research. It's so easy nowadays to do your research. Look at our website. Look at what clients we've worked at. Uh, look at who works there. Look at my bio. Look at who you're going to be talking to. What do they do? What, how long have they been there? If that information is available, you know, you can see that on LinkedIn. Just do a quick 10 minute search and you will have uh, just some base knowledge as to one, how to go into the interview, answer specific questions about the company if that comes up, uh, which we always like to throw in there uh, just to see if people have done their research. And, and you'll know the, the, the style of the company in a way. You'll know that we are not, you know, dear sir, madame, we are a little bit more relaxed than that, <laughs> you know, with the, with the culture, with the brand is just by doing a little bit of research. So that's one. Two, uh, follow directions. <laughs> so many people don't follow directions. We always have a couple 
extra questions at the bottom of our applications, you would be shocked at how many people don't even answer those questions that we're asking them to, to answer in their cover letter. Simple things like that. We ask for a specific heading in the email. I want to see that specific heading. This sounds trite, but it's not because this tells me that you are going to know how to follow instructions when you're an employee at Whole Whale, that you pay attention to the details. A lot of the work that we do, especially with data, you have to pay attention to the details. So although it sounds like, oh, this girl's complaining that I didn't label my email correctly, it matters. It's something I look at. So just following instructions is huge. The third thing I'll say, or I'll, I'll add a couple more. The third thing I'll say is, is interview etiquette. You would be surprised at how many people uh, are not professional on interviews. If you're nervous, it's okay to take a pause. I don't see that as a negative. When someone says, oh, that's a really great question. Let me think about that for a second. I am thrilled. I'm saying, great, take your time. I'm more happy for people to take their time and come up with a, with a question that they're proud of or a question that they really have thought through than just saying something off the top of their head. Um, Oftentimes, too, what, what looks really good is if people don't have uh, a specific answer to a question or they wish they would have said something else, if they send a follow-up email with, oh, I, I ended up, you know, doing a little bit more research and da, 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 with a follow-up email, this is what I, how I would have answered the question. That's amazing. I love when I get emails like that. And then the last thing I'll say that's super easy, takes two minutes or less, is send a thank you email if you get an interview. Uh, it just, we interview a lot of people. It takes a lot of time. And if I get a simple thank you note from somebody who I interviewed, uh, that just always is a little extra star. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Unfortunately, the people that will be listening to this are probably the people that are following those details anyway and doing your homework. So yeah, well yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's a self-selecting group ahead. Uh, to give, you know, you know, it always, it's a awesome sign that, you know, the amount of applicants come in, can you give us an idea of numbers? Because I think there are also great yeah. people that like you, you're up against other amazing people and it, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, it's, it's a lower application rate than like getting into an Ivy league institution at a certain point, right. you're just, you're up against some tough competition. What do the numbers look like as, as we go through? Can you say like, even in our last yeah. walk, yeah, how, how many people applied, how many people got that interview, how many people went to project? Yep, so I can give the numbers for our last hire, which we're actually still in the process of right now, I believe. I actually don't. Last week was my last week at Hoyle, so Ooh, I'm not totally sure. Surprise, <laughs> we made an offer, and she said oh. yes, yes. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so in our last, I'm excited, in our last hire, uh, it was a digital advertising role, an uh, early career advertising role. We were looking for somebody with at least one year of advertising experience. We had... Uh, 60 plus applicants, it was probably closer to 70. Out of those applicants, uh, Carisha and I, because she's helping taking over that process. So she was on the interviews with me, which was super fun. Uh, we interviewed uh, 20 to 30 people. I lost track somewhere in there and in the mid 20 range. From there, we had, I believe, six or seven people go to a project this round. I believe six, which is a little bit more than we usually do, I will say. Uh, you, I feel like I'm pretty good at in those 15 minute interviews, weeding out who should go to a project and who shouldn't, really picking out maybe a top three candidate. This time we had a lot of quality, qualified people apply that I felt like should show us how they work. So this time we did send six or seven people to the project phase. 
after that, I don't know what happened. So you'll ha you'll have to you'll have to fill me in. But uh, usually after the project phase, we have uh, we try at least to have three people kind of in that final interview stage of doing a one on one with the CEO. It's always better to have multiple candidates in that stage. Uh, just so we can compare people, uh, see, you know, what, this person might have this skill set, this person might have skill set, this skill set, and, and really just see what the differences are. Uh, one trick I also, if anybody listening to this does hiring at their company, one thing I always like to do is save a, a special group of people in the qualified phase that I have never interviewed, just in case of an emergency. Let's say that we get to the final stages and the candidates we were really excited about fall through. We sent an offer to someone they didn't accept. Um, these things happen. I always like to have a, a little backstock of applicants that are ready to go, ready to interview in case of an emergency. Mm -hmm. And somebody who's not confused, like does qualified mean you had an initial conversation with them? Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks for clarifying that. No, qualified means I've looked at their application and I would like to give them an interview but I haven't interviewed them yet. And usually mm -hmm. these people are applying a little bit later in the process. Yeah. So people have already moved to project stage and they're a little bit behind. So it doesn't make sense to interview them yet. Uh, but I, I keep them there just in case. And I, I you know, don't send them, no, sorry, you didn't get the job until we've finally had somebody accept the offer. Yeah, but you're not going to start somebody down a path of work if, frankly, you yeah. know for 100%. a fact we're about to offer something, someone perfect. Like, you'd have to like achieve just disproportionately. And so I can let you know a little bit about this current process. Somebody that was in that, I think that qualified pool that came in late and we're like, oh my, we still have a couple of their applicants and business yeah. is good enough. We may be hiring another person on top of somebody right now. So that's the other thing. Like, you know, yep. sometimes the applicant pool is good enough to be like, it makes sense to hire two people right now. Yes. Um, and we've done that multiple times actually. Yeah. Where I love we've doing gotten, that. Yeah. We've gotten down to a few people and we're like, we want them both. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes that happens. <laughs> okay. As we move to a close, I am really sad. You're like, you know, like part of like institutional memory. Like you remember, all, like a part of me is like really happy you're going because you remember all of my screw ups. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah. You're sort of like, anytime I say anymore. a thing, like, I was in the room when he definitely didn't say that or <laughs> definitely made an error. So I'm like, I'm able to to scrub my the memory one one person at a time. I think it's incredible okay. to have someone of your caliber stay with a company this long. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I would like you to give any final piece of advice to new people coming into a very different company that you'd started in. But, uh, you know, one sort of, mm -hmm. you know, what would make you a successful whaler at whole whale and, and this environment even? I think you'll be a successful at whole whale if, you know how to work hard and you can work hard independently. We're a small company. If you can wear a lot of different hats, we're always throwing people into different projects that weren't necessarily on their job description. Maybe that'll change as we grow a little bit, but I see that as an opportunity at Whole Whale that you don't get at other companies. So if you're looking to work at Whole Whale, uh, you're going to be able to really diversify your skill set. And if you're able to juggle a few different projects, learn a few different things at a time, that's really going to make you a valuable player at Whole Whale. So if that's the kind of environment you're looking, you're looking for, um, where you want to develop these technical skills, maybe you want to learn these video skills, you know, whatever it is that we need help with at the time, uh, 
you're really going to learn a lot and, and grow a lot, both as an employee and as a human and uh, have fun while you're doing it. There's a fun thought experiment that, you know, I'm, I'm debating with, but uh, in a small weird world, I, I see that there would be an operational manual that goes along with each person that you get to interact with just to sort of oh my gosh. make it so much easier. <laughs> if you were writing the George operational manual for somebody who has to deal with me as a manager or CEO or leader of this company, uh, what would chapter one uh, be focused on? Oh God, I don't know if I have a good answer to that question. I don't know if I have a good answer to that question. <laughs> I need some guidance. <laughs> Chap chapter four, don't, don't pay attention to him if he's clearly in a mood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, chapter one, I would say, learn George's vocal cues. <laughs> I'd say it's, it, you have different tones of voice that uh, indicate what kind of mood you're in. And if you can learn those, you know when it's a good time to bring something up versus it's not a good time to bring something up. Uh, <laughs> that's something I definitely learned over my time at Whole Whale. Um, I don't know, my, my chapter one though, for anybody, not just you, would be get to know them as a human. That has always made working together easier in my experience at Whole Whale. I always tried to get to know the people that I was managing or working with. Like, what do they like to do outside of work? Who are they? He's a father. Okay, what are your kids like? Like, what do you enjoy doing with your kids? And I think first creating that human connection makes everything else easier. So my chapter one for, for not just you, but, but for, for everyone would, would just be set, set up a BOC, a beverage of choice, our fun internal one-on-one -on -one meetings where we just chat, not necessarily about work, but just to get to know each other, uh, to do that, just to, to start building a, a relationship and, and ultimately the rela a relationship with your employees, with your managers, with the leadership is, is what will help you grow, um, I think, anywhere. So Yeah. That's I think the share the shared common ground is so key, and if totally. you understand that first as a person, you're like, all right, I get why that person does that, and then come back to it. Um, yeah, certainly the number one thing that I've worked on to change about myself, and I'm like, oh my god, it's just, I'm like, I don't know how to change it. I know how to like mute it slightly, but it's, I, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I'm glad that I came off sounding that. like someone like anyone new here is going to be terrified. Okay, so he goes off the handle quite often. <laughs> God. Alrighty. Before no, I do more no, damage no. to any future <laughs> employees, um, I uh, just want to thank you. And a final statement of like, so what's coming next in the sense that how can people find you? How can people help you? Should I go to you for my like homeopathic advice, nutrition, <laughs> you know, startup? What am I doing like, here? So medicine. Yeah, no, definitely don't do that yet. At least for another four years. I've got four years of medical school to get through first. Uh, but yeah, I'll be out in Portland, Oregon at the National University of Natural Medicine. Uh, if people want to follow along the journey, which I hope to be sharing, you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Clev, uh, L-A-U-R-A-C-L-E-V, at Laura Clev. Uh, it's really the only public 
profile I have so, that I use. So if you hope to, to learn a little bit more about naturopathic medicine, uh, are interested in that at all, give a follow. Thank you so much for your time at Howell and your final parting words of wisdom, even though we're going to harass you in the future for extra help, like almost immediately, probably. You're doing great. Just keep going. <laughs> You've got this. <laughs> This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 